0: Uh, During the committee, I I wanted real clarification on this term here, inclusion of a gender-based budgeting by March 2023, that is next year. Say that by next year, March 2023, we want to have the inclusion of a gender-based budgeting. And I wanted some clarification on that gender-based budgeting. So,
1: Chair, sure. I mean, the, I'm told that is to ensure that through all our budgeting, and I, and I think not just budgeting, in terms of spending, uh, that we spend in a way that we make sure that we do it fully for women and men. So, it's a gender-based, well, women. And this is part of the uh, United Nations uh, SDGs.
0: Thank you very much, Yes, Uh, thank you very much, Mr. Chair. If I may, I know what the United Nations are saying, but I do not believe that we had a problem here as it never came up in my time in the House that there's some bad gender balance inside the budget. And I don't know if my sister colleague can help me there. I would have have turned to you. You know I was coming to you. Uh, Honorable Minister...
2: Grateful, Mr. Chair. Thank you, honorable colleagues. So the purpose behind gender-based budgeting and responses is to ensure that any policies we introduce as a government and the resources that are allocated to it can directly and indirectly support the caring and reproductive rights of citizens, mainly women in that regard, but also to ensure that if there is any disparaging or distinction between the genders, that they can be harmonized as best as possible. For example, media reports would have recently stated how paternity rights and paternity leave is under review by some of the organizations in the Turks and Caicos Islands, one bank specifically. And so it is those sorts of budgeting techniques that need to be under review to ensure that we are ensuring the genders are equal and having an equal access and equal funding. So whilst the budget doesn't reflect women get X and men get Y, if there is a program that needs to have a responsive budgeting response to it for women or men, that that is taken into consideration in our global budget.
0: Thank you very much. Yes. Hello, Minister, and to the Chair, just uh, again, uh, what I pointed out inside of the committee is that we have a gender department and it's all one gender, all females. <laughs> yeah, so I'm saying if we want to start with the balance and we need to start at oh, all with the gender base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any further contribution? <laughs> Chair recognize, opposition appointed member. Yes, thank, thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, 3.82, line item Seaport te- departs Tax, Code 11013. We have no, um, nothing budgeted for 21 fiscal year 21 22. We have unordered actuals of 846000 and we have um, an allocation of three million. Um, can the uh, minister share some light on that for us and explain to us um, what this is, what this item is? Um, well, the item
1: relates to the fact that um, one the uh, the cruise port was closed, so that's why the number is quite lower. So these ships only started coming in late into the financial year, and the reason why we're budgeting more of this financial year is because. Carnival is supposed to be bringing in much larger ships. I think the passenger count on the newer ships is something like 6,000 to 6,000 passengers. So we're expecting
0: for each ship to bring more passengers. That's why. Thank you, Honorable Minister. Thank you. Um, same page, um line item 16062. Um, again um, we have uh budgeted well, revised estimate eight hundred and eighty nine thousand, on audit actual five million one hundred and sixty two and we have um, an allocation for fiscal year twenty two, twenty three of five hundred thousand. Um, I'm being told that, the, um, IBN, told that there
1: was a dispute between the Telecommunications Commission and the Telecommunications Company. I was told that there's a dispute between the Telecommunications Commission and TCIG, actually. Uh, and they were trying, uh, they wanted to retain some of the funding that was supposed to be uh, they actually issued to government on, the, on a yearly basis. So now I think that the dispute has come to an end, and we're expecting that transfer funds to come from the statutory body to TCIG.
0: Thank you very much, the Deputy Premier. Any further contributions? Any further contributions?
1: But the, I, mean, I just want to uh, add that they the big figure that you see there on the telecommunications net revenue of $5.2 million. That actually came in last financial year, and what we're expecting is five hundred thousand this financial year. So I think that's
0: okay. Um, that 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 raises um, another concern for me. So, um, this is the revenue that was generated by the telecommunications five point two million. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, can you ex- can you explain what is that? What is the, where that five point two million come from?
1: no um the the revenue it was actually the Easter revenue that was generated by the telecommunications commission, but not all in one year because so what has been happening is that they've been uh, stockpiling the, the revenue and not transferring it to government and so I st- uh, all I think all statutory boards are supposed to remit a certain portion of their revenue to government on a yearly basis and the telecommunications Commission hasn't been doing that regularly so that's not the revenue that was uh, that they chain in one financial year, but that's the revenue they have transmitted over to government within that financial year. That's the reason why what you see is, is more of a one-off amount, and then now the regular amount should be around, what you see, around about 500000 but of course that's tied to how the telecommunications companies do in any
0: financial year. Thank you very much, I'm not going to um, thanks, thanks, thank you, Honorable Minister. I, I think I'm I'm satisfied with the with chairman Thank you very much. Chair recognize the leader opposition. Yes uh, thank you very much, Mr. Chair. Mr. Chair, if I can ask the Minister of Finance, Deputy Premier, to turn his attention to page three point seven six and line item three five seven two three airline subsidy. Again, Mr. Chair, this is one of the areas I, that I brought up about flights into South Kekis and Solki. And I noticed that uh, for the actual last year, we only spent 431000 out of the 588000 budgeted. So that's some $140,000 less we spent last year than what was budgeted. And I was wondering why that money could have been used uh, to make sure and ensure that at least one flight or one or two flights go into South Kikis or Soul Key. Being as we, we have paid less, 488000 for the regular subsidies and, uh, and next 140 150000 if we couldn't get some flights into at least Sol Key and a little more to into South Kikis with that because we had monies underspent in that uh, boat.
1: Minister, um, I I think the question is actually more from the the um, not relating to what's in this, but I think he's asking if we can do more, spend more to get them to to call uh, to make more calls into the uh the point. Yes, is that was asking no, uh, Because we
0: didn't spend, we only spent four hundred and thirty-one, and we budgeted five eighty-eight. So I'm saying that it's underspent but we still need, uh, the demand is still there. Well, what I'm not sure is that I'm not sure if, are you asking why it was underspend or are you asking if you're saying okay. that we should, we should spend more? Since, since we have to underspend, if that couldn't be uh, supplied to provide more flights.
1: Um, I, I think you, you want to say, I, I think it's two, two parts. Uh, to, to what you're asking, but I, but I get what you're asking. The, the underspend was relating to the fact that the flights didn't land, car calls to those ports. So, so the, we were budgeting X amount of flights per year. So let's say we were budgeting 5,000 flights per year, and if they only made 4,000, then the, the, uh, we would have only have paid them for every time they would have touched down into one of those locations. And that's the reason why there's underspend. Now, I totally agree with you in terms of, um, that can we do more and encourage them to, to make more calls. But that would be outside of the ministry, that would be the Ministry of Transportation negotiating with them. What would be budgeted for and what we were reflecting is that the subsidy we pay them for every time they fly to a particular destination. So I, I would say to you that uh, it's something that can be looked into.
0: Thank you very much. Yes, thank you very much uh, for the chair. You can understand, Ms. Chair, if we had monies left, we can say. We had this money budgeted. We had $140,000, $50,000 left. Yeah, you only get two people going to Soil Key, but since we have the money budgeted already, you go to Soil Key, we will still pay you for going here. I understand. Yeah. I mean, as, as I just said, I know a
1: few people was asking about company. I mean, while uh, explaining it again, as I said before, that if we as the government negotiate with an airline to fly from Grand Turk to, to South Vegas, let's just say we, there was going to be one flight a day. And so the expectation is that over the year you'd have 365 flights. The budget would be relating to 365 flights. And they only go 300 days, and then we wouldn't pay for the 65 days. Now, I know you are saying, why can't we get them to deliver the flight every day? And what I was saying is that That can certainly be looked into, and that would be negotiated, not by the Ministry of Finance. So it wouldn't be, uh, our negotiations will take place with the Ministry of Transportation.
0: Thank you very much, Mr. Chair. fully understand that, you know, they they only pay the bill. They don't do the negotiation. Right. So next, Department we have to deal with that. Chair, I recognize the governor's appointed member
3: number two. Yeah,
0: I have a question for uh, for the Minister of Finance and the Deputy Premier. Um, if we look at what we're spending here in the Turks and Caicos for flight, and if you look at the Cayman Islands or the Bahamas, or you look at the PVI with all the different airlines, I think the government have a responsibilities to see that the people can get from point A to point B. Because it is so difficult for people to get from South Caicos to Grand Turk, like the, the honourable minister said, you have to spend a night either on Povo, either a night, and then somewhere else, or you know, to get to Grand Turk, the capital of Turks and Caicos. But the Bahamas spend, I know they used to spend about forty million dollars a year in their air transport. And if you look at the service they provided to Great Inagua, Mayaguana, with a small population. But they still fly a ATR 42 into those little, to those islands which small, with just a couple of people. We're just not like 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 Crooked Islands, Auckland, and all those different islands. I, I think all those governments take responsibility to make sure that people can get from point A to point B. Look at what they spent comparing to to ours, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, I've been in the aviation business for a long time. Honestly. It's just, we are not treating our airlines fairly. If, if we are not, and the reason why I'm saying that, because it costs, you, won't, you will not believe this. A flight between Povo, South and Grand Turk and those two-bonded air, airplanes we're flying, costs almost the same to go from Povo to Nassau or Povo to Jamaica because of the amount of, for every, I'll give you one example. Every time you cycle a gear, you pull a gear up, there's a cycle. Every time you start the engine, there's a cycle. Now on engine, you could fly it for 10,000 hours, but the engine, if you do 3,800 start, it's, it's crap, it's finished. But if you didn't start it so often, you can fly it for 10,000 hours. You see my point? So those short flights on the island, I'm just saying it just to help you all understand how those things work. It's, it's costly, it is extremely expensive. Extremely, extremely expensive. So therefore, I am asking my government to 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 look into it because those guys, honestly, they're sacrificing themselves to provide service for our country. I mean, if you look at, like I say, what every other government, Cayman Islands, the Bahamas, the BVI, pay the airline to 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 to, to service their communities. I think we should do the same. I think those guys. Those three airlines in Turks and Caicos have sacrificed enough. Me, I didn't scream when I was born it because I had many other businesses that could, have, could have support what I was doing. Plus, I wanted to give back to the people of Turks and Caicos as well. But I think it's time for us to really own our responsibility and do more, do more. Uh, uh, for the people of Toxin far as air transportation is concerned because, because they, they need it. And then um, uh, um, I know the Premier mentioned today about about the flight. You can't fly with one person or, or whatsoever. The airlines can buy a different size airplane. For instance, KS Express is buying an eight-seater. There's no reason why you want to put a 30-seater on a flight to Key or different places. Those aircraft cost a lot, lot less to operate. And I, I think there was no reason why they should not provide a service at least twice a day with a seven seater. At least everybody get a chance to get to get, to get in and out. And now to South Cacus, South Cacus have two hotel, one, I understand five star, one four star. And for us not to see that we have, I mean, the regular services, we cannot leave it all to the private sector, because for the island to develop, we need lift. I think it's time for us as a government to play our part, to, to work with the airlines, for them to provide a much better service, not for, ju- for just the people of Turks and Caicos, but also for the tourists who are visiting our island. Thank you. Minister,
1: uh, let me address that, um, and I will uh, also apologize to the, the Leader of the Opposition, because I gave him some information, but I was corrected. The, um, the negotiations for the airlines actually apparently falls under the Ministry of Finance, and so I apologize. I'm just aware of that. But I take one point, on board the point that uh, the governor's uh, nominate, appointed member number two and the leader in the opposition said, I'll be more than happy. And, uh, and certainly it would be remiss of us if we don't speak with the alliance in this financial year. Uh, if there's any need to change the, uh, the amount that's reflected in the current budget, we certainly, uh, will look at that as, uh, during the year. If we have to, if we have to bring any supplementaries to the budget, we'll look at that if the amount goes up. But I, I take it on board. And now that I'm aware that that actually falls under the Ministry of Finance. We will look to speaking with the alliance to see how uh, we could provide uh, much better service to
0: to all of the inhabited islands. Thank you very much, Mr. Chair. Honorable Minister. Yes. Uh, Mr. Chair, I just want to thank uh, the honorable Co- governor's appointed member number two for, you know, doing that representation and representing the airlines part. So I just want to do those from the next part, you know, from the people part who get who get put on a flight, sit on a tarmac for Two, three hours, and then you hear, ah, "Come off the flight. The flight isn't going to Grand Turk. Come off the flight. The flight isn't going to Jamaica today. Come off the flight. The flight isn't going to South South Caicos." You know, or you have a meeting in the morning. You have to be to the House of Assembly, and all of a sudden the flight isn't leaving at eight o'clock anymore. You have to catch a plane to catch to and Providenciales to go off. All of a sudden there's no morning flight. So those are some concerns that we need to address in this meeting. And if it needs be that, we have to put up this $588,000 here. You know, I want the Honorable Minister of Finance to consider that in his negotiations. All those problems, too. The human aspect of it, also. And the inconvenience. Even inconvenience to House members. And our flying public. The, um... Sorry, certainly,
1: certainly, um... Understand what you're saying because I know that my parents wanted to be here today and, and uh, here during sometime during the budget debate and they weren't able to make it. Um, I think it speaks to the, how multifaceted government is and the I uh, know I understand uh, how multifaceted government is and the, the different departments. Now, the, um, there's some things that you mentioned that falls under the airport authorities remit and also maybe even under the um, little bit, even under the civil aviation. And so, yes, uh, we, will, uh, we will speak to them about that, but it's certainly something that we, as the Ministry of Finance, we cannot enforce uh, because it falls under a different ministry, uh, the under the ministry that deals with the uh, the
0: airports, civil aviation. Thank you. Honourable do Chair, recognize government second appointed. Yeah, I just want uh, to, uh, to make another point. Uh, uh, Faris um i guess lending fee concern and i don't think they should charge our local airlines for for any lending fees i mean i mean lending fees and customs and immigration fees uh, but but anyway um, uh, that that's my that's my piece uh, it's a good thing that i have a, a
1: good team here but apparently uh, that also uh, that recommendation uh doesn't fall under the ministry of finance but the minister of uh, immigration uh, it falls on the, uh, that, that area, and um, I'm not sure I'm certain uh, we could pass that, in, uh, that recommendation on to you. But it doesn't fall under the Ministry of, of
0: Finance, it's uh, very difficult for me to be able to speak to that. Thank you very much for Minister. Any, any further contribution? Yes, yes uh, thank you very much, Mr. Chair. Uh, should, should thank you very much if i can turn the honorable minister's attention to page 3.85 uh digitization and e-governance uh honorable minister i know this is one of your your babies uh, you can call that you know your your areas here i'm looking at what you have for your staff for training and we know that uh computerization e-governance and so and you have just uh, ten thousand dollars for local training and fifteen thousand dollars for overseas training. And we're dealing with the latest technology. COE, uh trying to digitize our whole system and get it working. And of course, you know uh, we ask, uh, is this training enough? Because this seems real low. Uh, I didn't. I didn't like the answers I got. And also, uh, Mr. Minister, if you look at your local travel as your department if you're going to be digitization, the, digitizing the whole government those those offices in that department need to move around to all the islands and the Turks and Caicos Islands more than once so I was looking at your a month for your local travel local transport and your month for training to keep those guys up to the latest now we know online we hear all the online things but you know and, and that field, you have to be the end person, and have have to learn. And also, you had they have to move around the islands from key straight down almost to West Cape, to make sure that everything is compatible with the digitization that we want to take into consideration.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure. Again, the um, the if the ministers may not the minister, the leader of the opposition is actually asking a question of making a recommendation but I, I, I will treat it as a question if he's saying that he thinks that the, the figures are too low the thing about it is that I, I believe that as the digitization takes place some of the training costs will be required uh, for what I know of uh, information technology I don't really see where the um, the lot of training will be required because I mean Scanning, we're going to be scanning hundreds of thousands of documents, you know, maybe millions of documents, but the skill set required to scan a million documents isn't any different from scanning a hundred documents. It's just that you're you're scanning more, so you've got a bigger scanner, but it doesn't require technical and a lot of training to be able to operate it. Um, So I'm scratching my head to figure that with with the the new technologies, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing a lot more on SAS than what we're doing now. So we have some data that we store in the cloud. We're going to be storing more data in the cloud, but that doesn't require as much – it doesn't require new training to be able to, to store more data in the, crowd, in the cloud. But I I uh, but I expect that as we start to roll it out, particularly if we're the five fiber off the cable coming to Grand Turk and the uh, offices start, uh, we start putting a new equipment into the offices, we'll start to have uh, more travel. But it's not going to be exponential. We're going to be deliver far more service than, than – and the cost that's needed to roll that service out, if, you have, if, that make, if that's making sense. Because most of the things that we're doing now, as an example, of we're putting a lot of information on, online onto a portal, we have the portals already, the skill sets are already there to be able to use the portal. It's just that we're going to be putting more information into the portal. So I think that's, that's a the issue. So you're not going to see. So part of digitization is supposed to cut costs. It's not supposed to grow your costs as you become more digital.
0: Just a follow-up, yeah. Yes, uh, thank you very much. But, uh, Honourable Minister, uh, you know, I'm just trying to, you know, ensure that, you know, this this can come to fruition. Not to be mischievous or anything. We want this to come to fruition. Uh, as you know, you know, uh, maybe others. I know, you know, we had done a lot of stuff for the digitization of the immunization records, uh, the stuff that we did, and uh, immigration also. So when I look at what you spent last year on travel, before all this happened, you spent $31,000, the actuals. This before the project really launched. And that's your normal travel around the island, service the islands is $31,000. And now with a little extra work, you're spending 29000 So I was wondering, if, is that really really realistic? If normal times you spend at thirty-one. And with times where you will have a little more increase, like you say, you know, we're spending less.
1: But I think the easy answer to what you're saying is, I mean, if that's what we put in, Certainly we, we believe that. But as I said earlier, and I said it during my speech, the budget isn't meant to be, what we're presenting isn't meant to be perfect. It's not going to be spot on. We, we may get through the year and realize, wait a minute, they're requiring double the amount of travel. And then you have to make adjustments to it. At this point in time, you look at it and you think, what is it we're going to do? We're going to do these things? How much travel is going to be? What do we think is prudent to put into it? But as I said again, budgets aren't met. I mean, I know we sit in this house and people think that everything we've birthed is supposed to be absolutely perfect. It's not that way. It's never going to be that way. It's going to be going through the year, and you're going to realize that some things you're going to underspend by at the end of the year, and you're going to make adjustments. That's some things you're going to overspend you're going to be reaching to a point where you're going to be overspending, and then you're going to make the adjustment to be able to accommodate that. So yes, we will take a look at it. At this point in time, we believe that it's to be enough to be adequate for the travel. But if it isn't, and we need more, we will certainly do what we need to do to be able to make that extra funding available.
3: Thank
0: you very much, honorable minister. Yes, thank you very much, Mr. Mr. Chair. Just moving right along. Uh, Honorable Minister, if we go to the next page, uh, trade industry and fear competition. Again, uh, as we do not have this department in many islands, if you look at uh, your travel again for this, is 1,700 local traveler, And this is, again, we are servicing a number of islands. And just to have the presence in the islands, I mean, that amount, $1,700 dollars, you know, it seems very low to me. And I know I had uh, the accounting no offices there, but maybe they just washed in their envelope. So ask the Minister of Finance if you could give some clarity, more clarity on this low number servicing the whole Turks and Caicos Island. Uh, two things.
1: One, the um, I was just told that, um, that there's 250,000 in, in for trade shows. And so... Uh, and so some of the travel will be captured in that. So when we say trade shows, we're not just only talking about international trade shows. Um, we'd be talking about trade shows also in the um, in the, the domestic trade shows. I, I think it's probably a little bit of a catch-all when we say trade shows because they may be going for training seminars also. But that captures all, all of it. So some travel will also be captured in that 250000 uh, And so I think that's why the domestic travel is still low. The office is still small. But there's a lot we want to do with the office. But that's another area we're going to have to be watching to see as the workload happens. I mean, what, one of the things that government doesn't do is that we don't hire a whole bunch of staff and then decide if we, if we need them, we usually let the work dictate uh, what uh, the staff complement that we bring on. And so as we find that the workload is coming and tra- more travel is needed, again, we will look at it.
0: Thank you very much. Any further contribution? Chair, recognize governors appointed member number one Thank you mr. chair yes uh, Minister of Finance just on the credit union are you able to give us any uh, information as to how how far are we away from having that established I I, I noted it very happily that the um, good contribution going towards it for the next three years I just want to know how far are we from having that established.
1: Thank you mr chair um i'm told that the uh well we've got the final report this year and there's a um, there was a uh, slight error in the the booklet so we're going to be bringing a motion to make the seed funding available uh in this financial year but in terms of timelines uh we're expecting it to be in uh, around about the fourth quarter of this financial year so that that will bring us to uh the three first three months into the next calendar year around
0: that they expect for it to be on online Thank you, PS Finance. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you very much, Carlos Dabstie. Any further contributions? Any further contributions? Before
1: we, um, we close it off and bring the motion to it, we have to make uh, two motions.
3: Um,
1: Uh, Mr. Chair, I'd like to move a motion. Uh, I would like to um, move that five hundred thousand be uh, removed from account three four two five five and put into account three four two five six. Do I have a second? Second. Motion moved. That five hundred
0: thousand
3: we we'll move from
0: 34255 five, to 34256, the sum of $500,000. Those in favor, aye. Those to the contrary, no. Aye. Aye, 7. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Any further contributions? Mr. Chair, I just want to say... Um, Congratulations to the Minister of Finance on that move. I mean, I was was watching the two numbers, and I think that's an excellent decision. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Any further contribution? Any further contribution? Any further contribution? There being no further contribution, the question is that the sum of $22,276,000 One hundred seventy one dollars and seventy cents now form part of the schedule. All in favor? Aye, all to the contrary? Aye. All to the contrary, no. Aye seven. Oh Yes. 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 Madam
2: Clark? At 56,
4: Office of the Deputy Governor, $2,777,987.69. Madam
0: Administrator?
4: I'm grateful, Mr. Chair. Mr. Chair, I move that the sum $2,777,987.69 now stand as part of the schedule. Do I have a second up?
0: The question is that the sum of $2,777,987.69 now form part of the schedule. All in favor, aye. All to the contrary, no. Aye. Aye, seven. Any contribution? Chair recognizes the opposition. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, and good afternoon, P.S. Lightburn. Madam A.G., if we can turn our attention to page 3101. And I'm going to be referencing 101 and 3102. So 3101 is the training unit, and 3102 is staff on study leave. If we look at the line item for local training, 35001, uh, we see local training is uh, 40,000 and professional development is 250,000. And what was coming up in discussions, and suddenly what I said in my speech, and to test the uh, uh, Minister of Finance theory about development, human, human capital. When we look at the $250,000 for the entire civil service to compete against, and when we look at it even closer, we see that $150,000 on the next page is already taken. So it's only $100,000 for the entire civil servants, now any new persons to take. If you look at the civil servants on study leave, 150000 Okay, I see uh, you're shaking your head. Can you all explain the difference there?
4: Mr. Chair, yes. Mr. Chair, I'm very grateful to the Honorable Member for his question. Um, Mr. Chair, the amount that is on page 3.102 um, at 56, sorry, head, uh, subhead 007, that is in respect of staff that who are on study leave and under the policy have to be paid one-third of their salary. Um, that is not uh, connected to the professional development fund, which is, quote, which is code three five seven zero five on page three point one zero one under um, on head zero zero six. That amount of two hundred and fifty thousand dollars is for persons who have um, um, who want to undertake some professional development. Um, course the CPA or something like that, and they um, they want the government to fund it and so that is a special fund that allows for those persons to do that
0: this thank you very much yes uh, follow up and uh, can you say if that two hundred and fifty thousand is top up a for year that even though if we have uh persons right now doing professional development and it's taking up two hundred thousand it costs two hundred thousand. So every year we get a new two hundred and fifty thousand or we wait for those persons to come off first before we top up.
4: Mr. Chair, um, thank you, Mr. Chair, to the Honorable Leader of the Opposition. First question, um, Mr. Chair, the the fund, um, as re- as reflected on page three point one zero one, is a new, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars every year, and um, in respect of the the grant that is available, there is a cap of five hundred sorry five thousand uh, dollars per year but a person can apply in a subsequent year. Um, and the expectation is with the government policy to make um, education at the tertiary level, at the TCICC free of charge, that additional um, funds from the 250,000 will now be free for other um, in, for other um, programs because the, um, uh, for, for other applicants, because. Uh, portion of this is used to be for, for persons training at the TCICC as well.
0: Thank you very much, Andrew. Just some follow-up, Mr. Chair, if I may. Yes. Uh, to the Honorable, Honorable Attorney General, uh, we're going back to uh, staff on study leave, the $150,000 and he said that represents uh, one-third of uh, persons uh, once study their salary. Uh, my question, and I'm sorry that the Minister of Finance isn't here, but the Premier is here. Uh, if we consider persons with family, if someone wants to leave, or someone who works in government, who have a family, who have a mortgage to pay here, and they want to go off, one-third of their salary isn't going to cut it. So I'm wondering if any policy decision can be made to on a case-by-case basis. If you're a single person, you get one-third of your family, your salary, But if you're married with kids and have a mortgage here and you have to take care of bills here while you're off to school, uh, one part of your salary wouldn't cut it because you can't pay your mortgage to be off. So I was wondering if any policy decision can be made or adjusted that to allow those persons with family and mortgages to take care of their home and they want to study that we can go to one half of their salary or two thirds or 75% of their salaries.
3: Well, reckon are, are you asking for my opinion? opinion?
0: Are you asking about the facts? i uh, <laughs> asking about my opinion. I don't know, Premier, you can give me both of them. I can um, ask you about my opinion. There's affordability. There's something called affordability, and there's something called discretion, and there's something called equity, right? And there's something called prioritization, right? Your whole argument has been that government should be paying for everything for everybody. And that, that can't work. We, just, we can't afford it. Not even in a socialist state can we afford that. Right? Um, and so the issue is these policies are not new. They are not new. They've been around forever and a, a day. And to be honest with you, there's so much you can do online today. There's so much you can do online today that a lot of people are staying at home and qualifying and you know so it's there's a situation where um, you have to think of, act, of, of equity because you could have a situation of people and their life away studying at the country's expense if there's something we have to prioritize what is the demand? What is the, what, what does the government service require to make it function properly? Okay. And if, so the, the, the policy needs to probably need to be looked at to prioritize government needs. Okay. And, and maybe there could be attachments where people get their full pay. I don't know, there's a whole menu of stuff you can do. We live as a part of a big uh, family and the Commonwealth family. Maybe there could be attachments. I don't know, but you can't, it can't be a straight line solution where somebody wants to go away to study uh, and, and, and get their full pay. I'm, I understand there have been people away who never come back. <clears throat> just, just a clarification, Honorable Premier, if I can just give you just a small little quick scenario. If we have a doctor who is married with two kids and have a mortgage, and somehow we know he wants to specialize in some kind of special surgery and say, look, if I want to go for a year and a half, two years to do this specialization and come back and work here, we don't have this kind of surgeon here. But I have kids and stuff and we look at the situation. It is a country need and I want to know if something can be in policy that on an individual basis that we can say, well, we'll, the policy say one third, but on this situation, this is something that we need. He is returning, he or she is returning, but he have a family and he have a mortgage. So the policy is flexible enough that we can say we will give you one third of it, one half of your salary or 75% because it falls in line with the country uh, position and what we want.
2: So for, for that, Mr. Lee, the opposition, that scenario, that being a priority area based on our national scholarship policy, that doctor would qualify for a national scholarship. Now, what we have to acknowledge is that when an employee or a team member of TCIG is away on study leave, Someone has to fill that post as well, and they're receiving a salary, and that's where the feasibility of the economics of it comes into play. It's not that they're away and no one does their work. Someone has to fill that vacancy, whether someone acts or a substantive holder comes in, and again, that drains down on the fund. Thank you very much.
4: Yes, Mr. Chair, and, um, you know, another um, consideration in relation to this is the affordability point, to just further the affordability point, which the Honorable Premier was making. Um, so the policy at the moment is a third pay. And so if it is that it's changed to, you know, to um, to two-thirds, you know, it doubles what is required to be expended and it just sort of keeps, you know, doubling in that way. Mm. And as the, um, the Honorable Minister for PBID has indicated, that if a person... Is studying um, a priority area for government and they qualify for scholarships and it's a full scholarship. Then the government is paying the scholarship plus the third fee. And in addition to that, the government has to pay to replace the person during the time that, um, you know, that they're away studying because the service still has to, um, to continue. And, um, and so the costs do definitely rack up, but in frame of things, uh, it also uh, demonstrates just how generous the government is being, um, you know, uh, to, to ensure that persons have professional development. Thank you very much.
0: Honourable. am Yes, just one last follow-up, Mr. Chair, and, you know, I'm finishing on this topic. Oh, uh, yes. Yes, go ahead. Mr. Chair, like I said, I, I will see a test in uh, the Minister of Finance comments, uh, building human resource capital, and if we cannot spend a little more than $150,000 and bring that to 300000 again, my promise, you know, I'm passing now, because, you know, you, you got to be serious about it. You know, it's only $150,000, and we're here saying the country is doing so good, and it has to benefit people. So... Let these people live their best lives and get their qualifications that they need. So I'm just going on with what the uh, Minister of Finance had presented. And if all his facts are true, we should be able to afford to double this from 150000 to 300000 so people could get at least half of their salary. So, you know, I have to tell him that his promise doesn't hold us so far on this item.
2: Mr. Chair? grateful, Mr. Chair. So just following up on the leader leader of the opposition's last comment, what the leader of the opposition has to appreciate is that everything is taken in a whole. So if you would walk with me to page 3.101, you would note that under the Deputy Governor's Office, there is a line item in the budget for $250,000 for professional development. If you add that to the 154 study leave, you're looking at $400,000 that the administration is investing in advancing the skill sets of public servants who choose to draw down on these sums to upgrade their skills. The further component to this, Mr. Leader of the Opposition, even though not captured in the office of the Deputy Governor, is captured very neatly in the Ministry of Education through a robust scholarship policy and now the tuition-free rate at the Turks and Caicos Islands Community College, So the Deputy Premier's position that we are investing in human capital is valid and is shown in the course of this budget because it's not all going to be contained in one line item, but consecutively through this budget in every ministry you can see where there is an increase for the development of our public officers. So with that said, hopefully that's the last question and we can break this up. (laughs) Thank you.
0: Thank you, honourable Minister. So, Chair, yeah, you know she poked the beer on that one. Mr <laughs> Chair, so, yeah, just one final statement and it, it is apples and oranges here. My honorable honored friend. Uh one is dealing with online, the two hundred and fifty thousand we were told that is online. Uh we was told clarified that, uh online services. The hundred and fifty thousand dollars is for people and civil servants who want to go off. And the scholarship fund, we know that there's more uh, people who just leave school, uh, scholars. So you want uh, mature people who are in government, civil servants, to have to compete with uh, the students with their straight A's or so. It, it would be hard for us. So I'm just saying that for mature students, people already working in the civil service, uh, who are in these departments and positions, so we have to consider something for them also instead of just competing with the scholarship board and all those things, but they need a next avenue. Because I might not be able to beat out all those people with those hundreds of grades, all A's, Mr. Chair. You know, I'm not that skillful. So something has to be here for our professional people and the civil service. Thank you very much. Chair recognized Minister of Education. And Mr. Mr. Chair? Thank you very much, Honorable Minister. Honorable Lady Thank you.
4: And Mr. Chair, just um, to draw the honorable members attention to what is in the budget book in this area um trying to clarify also that the professional development fund is not um restricted to online learning um because it is both in person and online and certainly in terms of the um the chambers i am aware that the professional development fund paid for a procurement um training um for across across the public sector um, Promoted by the um, infrastructure ministry, and um, and that was in person, um, and it was paid for from this um, from this very fund. But I also wanted to draw the honourable members' attention to the local training boot that is also under the deputy governor's office at forty thousand dollars, the two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in the professional development, and the one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the staff um, study leave, which is additional to what the Honorable Minister for Education raised in terms of the scholarship policy. And this amount here is $440,000, additional to the millions of dollars that are available um, through the scholarship policy and, of course, now with the college being free. And um, and one interesting um, uh, sort of example of the funding that's been available and the impact is that... Um, Since the establishment of the Professional Development Fund, um, the amount that has been expended by government from 2015 to 2021 is $1.5 million in grants, and that has afforded 705 um, grants to be made. And so that's um, quite commendable.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much, Anamla AG. Any further contribution? Any further contribution? Any further contribution? There being no further contribution, the question is that the sum of $2,777,987.69 stand as part of schedule. All in favor, aye, all to the contrary, no. Aye. Ayes have it. I'll suspend 30 minutes. Or stop up.
5: Minutes past six o'clock throughout the island. You're listening to the live coverage of the House of Assembly budget meeting right here on RTC. We'll break for about thirty minutes. Be sure to stay tuned for the continuation. At right around six forty-five.
6: Turks and Caicos Islanders. I'm here today to inform you all on the new measures that has been implemented in the 2022 Immigration Ordinance. We know that being able to work in the Turks and Caicos Islands is attractive to some migrants, but we must control who comes here. Illegal migration remains a real issue. Unlawful migrants Persons without a permit or persons without the correct permit are finding employers who will give them work, and this is undermining our immigration controls and encouraging more and more persons to come here illegally. The new measures in the ordinance seek to discourage employers from offering work to people without the right permit, and persons will be aware that the new ordinance effectively doubles the sentence available upon conviction for employing persons prohibited from gainful occupation persons who employ somebody whether it is a maid a babysitter a gardener even a manager who does not have a work permit to work for you or that organization then they are part of the problem if they apply for a work permit for someone they know or suspect is already in the tci illegally then they are part of the problem Employing persons without the right work permit is a criminal offense, and don't forget, that goes for employing someone that has a work permit for a different employer as well. The ordinance clearly states in Section 19 that a person shall not employ, whether on his own behalf or or on behalf of another, another person whether under contract of employment or a contract for services who under subsection 1 is prohibited from engaging in gainful occupation. If these crimes are committed, a person is liable to on summary conviction to a fine of $20,000 or to imprisonment for a term of four years or even both. And on conviction on indictment, they will have to pay a fine or be imprisoned for a term of seven years or even do both. Emigration officers will continue their regular checks, focusing mainly on those suspected to be working illegally and their employers. So my people, please do your part to support our islands in stamping out the practice of using illegal labor. And if you know where this has taken place or have any other information about illegal migration, please contact the Immigration Department at TCIIntel at gov.tc. That's TCIIntel at gov.tc. Or call in anonymously to Crime Stoppers Hotline at 1-800-8477. That's 1-800-8477. Seven, seven, let's all do our part.
0: Ten dollars or more for a chance to win a free prime bundle. Check your messages and the My Digicell app all April long. It could be you. Get unlimited Digicell minutes, other local minutes, any use data, and even more data to use with PlayGo, Music, SportsMax, Bip, Billow, Loop, or Go Loud. Digicell, Turks and Keikos. Better together.
5: TCI, get ready, get ready. Get ready. Super ready. P's Entertainment and Sounds present a night call. We call it in the bush, featuring the King of and Script, KB. They try to Six Band Boy, Provision Band, Cuban Lynx, Tess, Big Mike, and Elroy Simmons. Early juggling by the youngest in charge, Taylor Hype, DJ shake Prime, Prime DJs, DJ's. and Wee Funk Junkin' Band. It's the full line, line of break break screen happening on Friday, May 6, 2022, at Chalky's Bar and Restaurant, South Top, Providenciales. We going go in in admission, $30. VIP upper deck, $60. Platinum reserve table, $400. Platinum entry with cabana and all access. 1,000. Platinum entry, all access, front stage and sofa section. 1,000. And platinum entry with all access and a sky bar. 3,000. All platinum entries include complimentary drinks and hookahs. To reserve tables and cabanas, call 332-3397 or 342-3397. It's a night called We Going in the Bush. A full night of breaking straight. Friday, May 6, 2022 at Chalky's Bar and Restaurant, South Dock Providenciales. See, you there, 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 there,
3: there. No smoking, no smoking, no smoking here. No smoking, no smoking, no smoking over there. You may not really like it, but the law of the land is clear. You can't be smoking as you please. No, not just anywhere. Like talk the magic dragon, fogging up the place. Toxic second handed smoke in everybody's face. That behavior really isn't cool and it's definitely that's it It's a hazard to the public health and a downright disgrace. So no smoking, no smoking, no smoking here. No smoking, no smoking, no smoking over there. You may not really like it, but the law of the land is clear. You can be smoking as you please. No smoking over there. You may not really like it, but the law of the night is clear. You can be smoking as you please, no, not just anywhere. Excuse me, sir. Can I smoke over here?
5: a hidden code embedded in RTC it's innocent innovative, interesting, intelligent mixes intertwined for two hours that can be experienced on a station that offers you entertainment explaining emotional, equitable equivalent, empathy ending educational exercises (laughs) hold up, hold up, hold up that sounds like that Monday to Thursday corporate stuff that we don't want to hear on the weekend Leave that 9 to 5 behind and come with us on the streets for the weekend's Z party that can only be heard on off-the-wall Jam. Gym. Take your pain away and allowing you to go insane is DJ Savage.